Welcome to SickCast, brought to you by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path. This episode is from a live webinar recording that originally aired on October 10th. The webinar focuses on the Sick Research Institute's new initiative, the Guru Granth Sahib Project, aiming to make Gurbani more accessible to a contemporary audience. Minvinder Kaur will get us started by introducing today's panelists. Thank you for joining today's webinar hosted by the Sick Research Institute. Now, I would like to introduce you to today's presenters. First, we have Harinder Singh. Harinder Singh is an educator and thinker who is deeply in love with One Force, the oneness that radiates in all. He currently serves as the Senior Fellow, Research and Policy at the Sikh Research Institute. His current focus is on availing the message of the Guru Granth Sahib to global populations and developing critical thinking in Sikh institutions. He currently resides in the United States with his wife and two children. Dr. Ishmeet Gore uh, teaches at the Center for English Studies at Central University of Gujarat. She works on areas related to the literature of margins, social movements, and studies of violence and trauma. Her recent work has been on violent studies, engaging with discourses on women and violence and the 1984 uh, anti-Sikh carnage in Delhi. Jasleen Gore is a WVA grad in religious studies, focusing on South Asian religions through the lens of literature and poetry. She's currently working as a researcher with Sikri. She also loves singing in her free time, whether on stage or for her friends. She hopes to eventually go back to school in pursuit of a PhD in either religious ethnography or history and fulfill her life, uh, sorry, fulfill her dream of teaching and learning from others. And lastly, we have Dr. Jaswant Singh. He is a scholar in Sikh studies. His immense love for Gurbani propels him to read, reflect, research, and share Gurbani's wisdom and understanding with a broader community. He currently serves as the director of Gurbani Research at the Sikh Research Institute. He holds a master's degree in religious studies and a doctorate in the linguistics of Guru Nanak Bani. He currently lives in Faridabad in Haryana, India with his family. Thank you to all of you um, for joining me today. Um, as I've engaged with this project, I've thought about the other translations um, of the Guru Granth Sahib that I've engaged with throughout my studies, um, but also at the Gurdwara. I'm sure when I was younger, I would see Sikhi to the Max um, displayed on a PowerPoint presentation, which was new because when I was very, very little, that wasn't something that would happen. But as I grew into high school, that's something that um, was normalized at the Gurdwara, but it still didn't feel like something I could engage with. As I went into my studies in university, um, I tried to find translations that I was comfortable with. Um, I would look at the author, I would kind of, yeah, see what kind of engagement was happening with the text, and it was never something I was comfortable using. Um, oftentimes, it wasn't something I was comfortable using. I also don't read Gurmukhi or Punjabi, so it was an, another element was added that made it difficult for me. Um, and as I was writing my thesis this summer, I was writing it for um, people who aren't in the community. So it was, I wanted the translations um, to be something that would explore the depth and the beauty and the complexity of the text. Um, and yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't always possible to find an English translation 
that would do that. So to start this conversation off, Hearns are saying, and I'm sure this is something um, others have struggled with as well. Um, Hearns are saying, as the project lead, reviewer, and the English commentator, uh, could you give us a little bit of insight into what the push for this project was, what's included in this project, um, how it's different from others, and why why has the term project been used as opposed to um, yeah, any other term, especially when we're engaging with a translation or a transcreation um, of a large body of religious text. Sure, Gurfate, everyone. Um, so what Manvinder is asking, I am going to present two angles to it. The first is the word project itself. Look, the word project implies that this will be an evolving process. There is no completion. The only completion is of the Guru Granth Sahib itself, which the Guru gave it to us. Everything else is to learn about it at different levels and different eras and different mechanisms, methodologies. So the project implies that the completeness and perfection is in the Guru itself. Rest is everything which is available to us as people, as resources, utilizing those aptitudes, those tools to make sense of, sense of it for today's audience, for ourselves, as well as for the audience we are engaged with. So that's why it's a project. It'll be a continuous process even after this team leaves, someone else should take this on. Other reason the word project is being used, so this is really, think of it as being, we are trying to come up with a database of everything of Guru Granth Sahib, which means every word needs to be understood in its multifaceted ways. And if we understand every word, maybe we can bring together the words and perhaps understand what the intended meaning was and perhaps then create a lived experience out of it. So project has an element of technology these days that in addition to the research on each word, we are also going to create sort of a database of Guru Granth Sahib. So the collective knowledges before us can be made available and the current knowledges which we are trying to develop can also be available for people to decide how to best connect with the Guru. Uh, the vision of the project essentially, you know, the idea started about three years ago. I mean, I grew up asking for translations. I remember going to uh, folks in Punjab who I thought were the best qualified ones to do this in the last 20 years. Can we please start this? Can you please do this? And eventually then we convinced our board at Sikri, look, this needs to happen. The last serious effort was a century ago, the first serious effort to do this in Punjab. And then the last ones are continuing, but they have been in individual capacities. We need to treat this as a research project, which then engages with technology to avail the collective knowledges for the world. So that's what we are after. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes, I think that was also an important angle for me as a researcher um, in my in my academic life. I think elements were brought that I really brought into this project that I really appreciated. Um, Justine Gore, I'm gonna uh, give this next question to you um, as the English transcreator and commentator. And the transcreation, we'll we'll get to that that word later. But yeah, more of a general question for you. Um, what were some understandings that you had of the Guru Granth Sahib that perhaps changed while you were working on it? Um, or yeah, while you started working and while you were working through it? Yeah, uh, that's a good a question I think about a lot. I think, you know, I think I'm similar to you where I grew up not having that understanding of Bani because I didn't have, there was a language barrier. And I think it's like fair to say that even, even Sikhs who have an understanding of like Punjabi are going to feel that the text is far away because it's not written only in Punjabi. And 
and there's a lot of like contextualization that you can't get when you're just looking at like a, a couple of lines of translation on the screen. I think a lot of the translations I remember growing up with were like heavy on the Lord and the God and the master and the like father. And, and I think as a child, I was kind of like, oh, it's not for me. I don't I like, you know, I was like five, six years old learning like Japji Sai, for example, and reading the translations as a child, I felt like it was quite far away from me. Um, and I think that that was a thing that carried through well into my like young adult life. So now like I'm 26, I've been working on the project with this team for a while now, like a year-ish. Um, and in that time I've like, and I think we all would echo this to be honest, but like in that time, my relationship with Bonnie has like changed drastically um, because I think for a long time I was like, well, that's just a thing that I will listen to on Sundays. I'll listen to people singing certain Shabbats and try to get a sense of what the Shabbat means and you know I'll listen to it and maybe I'll be moved by it and maybe I won't but it's not a thing that I thought about throughout the week you know um and so much of what this project has done has made the like even the idea of sitting with Bonnie and like trying to understand it so much less daunting um because I'm I'm not saying that like I got it now like I get it's all good <laughs> but now I'm thinking about it and I'm feeling like the way that it changes how I deal with like stuff in my own life, how I deal with processing the many events happening all the time in the world around us. Um, and I think like that sort of far away daunting sort of idea that I had about like who gets to engage with Bonnie and who gets to feel like it's changing them and it's something they're walking mm -hmm. with, that has totally been flipped for me. Um, and I hope that with this project, that like accessibility and that sort of slow interaction with and engagement with Bonnie is something that a lot of people who didn't feel like they could they could have that now, I feel, I feel like now they can and I hope that they take a stab at it. I hope they explore it a little bit because I think having that slow relationship and sort of dialogue with it um, is, is a thing that I never felt was possible, so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I relate to that a lot. It's definitely the less daunting part and also the who gets to relate to it. Um, definitely is something I, yeah, can relate to. If you don't mind, I'm going to push you a little bit. Would you mind, if you're comfortable, sharing an example um, of maybe a way that your relationship with a certain body or a piece of the text has changed as you've engaged with the project? Yeah, no problem. Um always happy to be pushed. <laughs> I think, I think uh, with Asa Kibar, which was the first Bonnie we worked on, um, I had never engaged with that Bonnie before. Like I had heard it sung. I had never really looked into the translations. Um, and I remember like in the commentary meetings where we were discussing each 40 and, and the points that were being made, every time I was like, wow, this is so smart. This is so relevant, which is like, of course, <laughs> yes, Bonnie is timeless, but it was, I felt myself, you know, this is a year ago. I felt myself very much like walking with those um, ideas because Gurnayak Saab talks about like corruption, hypocrisy, the political and the, the spiritual or the religious and how they're intertwined. And so much of that is playing out around the globe. It has been forever, but I think I've become more aware of it as I've grown up. Um, 
especially in the United States and like India. Um, and so I think like that was a big thing for me in helping me just like process the world around me and not feel utterly helpless about it or hopeless. Um, and then a more, I think a more like personal um, thing that I've, I've found is that in Bonnie's like Kuchaji and Suchaji and Gunwanti, where Gunanak Saib uses this voice of, of the human bride in all of her kind of iterations, right? The one who had, has no virtues or is virtueless or is ungraceful versus the one who's kind of inculcated those virtues. I always felt like that was such a harsh way to think about one's relationship with Ikonkar. Um, and as a kid, I always read those like soul bride translations and was like, nope, not reading it. Like I, something isn't sitting right about this with me. Um, and just kind of like unpacking the context of those bodies and why that like symbolism is used as a vehicle to make those points um, has made me, I think, a lot more, a lot more vulnerable in my seeking, if I can say that. Like, there's so much vulnerability in those bodies, and a lot of times I think we beat ourselves up about not feeling connected all the time. Um, and you know, I'm going through it. <laughs> People go through it all the time, and I think that that like kind of reassurance in the form of having a larger sort of understanding of those bonnies and like thinking with them um, has helped me in my own like personal Sikhi journey for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I think, yes. So yeah, expanding on the, this project isn't just the four individuals who have joined us um, today. It is an expansive project. And I think you've touched on so many of the elements um, that are included in this in this project. Um, so just one thing, um, because this is such an expansive team, why is that, why is that necessary? Um, why does it take so many people to work on one body? Okay, that's a good question. So number one is when we look at the Guru Granth Sahib itself, the part or the text of the Guru Granth Sahib has multi-dimensional aspects. Number two, this, as Harinder Singh had just explained the project, you know, we had the idea and we had the goal that we are going to look at multi-dimensions of Guru side. So majorly speaking, we have three major parts while we do our research. First is the research part in which we look at the word meanings, we look at the etymology of each word, we look at the grammatical functions of each word. And the part two is a translations. So looking, I mean, uh, um, taking into the considerations of the word meaning of the grammatical functions of each word and the etymology part. Then we start working on the translation. So first is we make a literal translation. Then after the literal translation, you know, we try to expand it and that is what we call interpretive translation. And the third uh, very interesting part is of dimensions. So we have included so far three major dimensions beginning with history. It brings in the background and the culture of this particular Shabad or the Bani that the Bani was composed in uh, during the time. And number two is the musical aspect, you know, the musical dimension. Uh, like, for example, we are talking of Asa Kivar. So Asa is a name of a rag. So then we look at all uh, the Asami music, you know, he explores, he has his research on what is this Asa and how this Rag Asa has been used throughout Guru Granth Sahib, what's its nature, what's its meaning and so on. 
And thirdly, we bring in the dimension of poetics. We all know uh, the entire Bani of Guru Granth Sahib is composed in poetical language, we call it, which is full of emotions, full of imagery, full of metaphors, full of various other techniques and, and you know, the elements of aesthetics, poetics, and so on. So this SME poetics work is, you know, after the translations and after the everything is ready for him, the draft is ready. So he's going to uh, look at the whole draft and look at the particular Shabad or the slope or the body and, and tell us, or rather, you know, come up with the, what are the poetical uh, beauties that we can explore, that, that we can appreciate out of that, you know, the draft that we have. So this is in brief the process we continue, but this is like you know the, when the first draft is created, it takes a lot of uh, effort, lot of research, lot of contemplation, lot of um, discussions among one-to-one -one SMEs and with the content lead or with the you know, editors, with the reviewers. And when the first draft is ready, the draft is sent for reviewing. So at least we have two rounds of reviews where we have, we have some suggestions to make, we improve on the draft, and you know, we have some additions, we include some more references or the footnotes wherever required. And then once the reviewing phase is over, the draft in Punjabi, we do the, every research, the first draft is uh, prepared in Punjabi. So this then is sent for Punjabi editing. So the editor, Punjabi language editor, he looks into the integrity of Punjabi of, you know, how you can make it more simpler, more cohesive and more flowing so that it makes the reader interesting when he reads and he understands the idea better. So this is how the draft in Punjabi is uh, in a way prepared. And once it is, we see it's uh, good to go. So then this is handed over to the English team. And English team begins with, again, translating the whole document, the draft into uh, English, and then it goes to the uh, level two for transcreation, then it goes further for reviewing, for language check, and finally, English editing. And uh, during this whole process, again, there might be some variations, some modifications, some additions, which we need to make in the Punjabi draft as well. So after, you know, this English draft is ready. We, we look at the Punjabi where we need to make some more additions, fine tunings and so on. This is a huge and very long process of when a particular one Shabad, you know, uh, gets fully uh, drafted and you can say ready for publishing. Yeah, thank you for that insight. I think that definitely even expands on how expansive this project is. Um, some background information as I was listening to you. Um, it, yes, I was, that's, that's a lot of work and it's very appreciated. Um, and before maybe we move on to um, the English part of this project, uh, I'd also li like to ask you about what the importance um, of like the meaning, the grammar, etymology, why, why is that important to include? Because as I've engaged with a couple that's, of that's, I, mean, I think that's a great question yeah so i mean uh, when you have to look at the text you need to remember the text of the guru granth sahib the part of the guru granth sahib we call it turki bani it's a real text it's a sacred text in in, in, a, in, a, in a in a way so the but the text 
in part of the Guru Granth Sahib is composed around 500 years uh, before from, from the time we, we are living now. So it's a text of, you can say, medieval period, you know, 500 to rather 800 years back. So it's like you have to uh, go back to that period to, to appreciate the language which is being spoken and which the contributors of Gurbani have employed to compose these uh, Gurbani Shabbats and, and the compositions. And, and every language had its uh, way of, you know, compositions, way of writing. We can call it grammatical construction. We can call it linguistic uh, construction. So it is very important, you know, you, you are aware of the language, you are aware of the system that the language employs like the grammatical nuances and kind of things. And because the Gurbani is in a poetical language, so, so while you are working on translation kind of things, you, you must be aware of the, of the elements of poetics as well. And also each and every Shabad you see, you know, has been revealed, has been composed during a particular time or place. So you also have to look at, you know, the, what might be the historical context of that particular Shabbat, what might be, you know, the cultural dimension of this particular Shabbat, as Jasleen was just telling, you know, when we look at uh, the Banis like Puchajji, Suchajji, you know, it's very important. And we, we come across the words like Sohagan, Dohagan. It's very important that you are aware of the culture where these words were very common, they have been used, and then they are employed in Gurbani to convey the message, you know, that the gurus wanted us to, to look at. So this is how, you know, it's, it's very important, you know, that you have people, those who are aware of these things, or in a way have some sort of expertise. So, uh, I mean, we have in a team of very tight uh, people from different uh, aspects, from different fields, you know, like one from linguistics, one who has a uh, has some expertise in Gurbani's grammar and one who is aware of the poetics of Guru Granth Sahib, one who has expertise in history, one from poetics, one from music, you know, and one who has, you know, is knows the art and the understanding of how to translate a text, uh, uh, taking into consideration all these elements so that we can keep the translation as close to the text, to the sacred text of Guru Granth Sahib, to the revealed text of Guru Granth Sahib as possible. And also we can make it, you know, so simple and easy for the, for the readership. You know, once they read, they do understand its nitty gritties, they do understand its meaning, they do understand and not just understand, they appreciate and they are able to apply the messages which are being you know, revealed through these these monies and these shows. So yeah, narrowing in maybe on the on the culture and the historical background, um, I'm going to move into the English team that is at work. Um, so one of our English team members, Ishmeet Gore. Um, something wonderful that you brought up in kind of our chat before this webinar was the interactions of languages and cultures. Um, not just through this project, um, but within the Guru Granth Sahib itself. Um, so not only does the Guru Granth Sahib um, engage various languages, cultures, and traditions, but now it's interacting and connecting with new cultures and languages. Um, so how do these cultures and languages interact with the Guru Granth Sahib, both then, now, and then 
as you pointed out, how is it presently interacting um, with a global language? Thank you, Manvinder. Um, I think that's a, a very important um, question, of course. But and all of us will agree with the fact that all of us share a relationship with our language, you know, be it the mother tongue or where we have, uh, uh, you know, grown up and the language that we know. So we we all share a very intense relationship with that language. And uh, so language uh, is very close to culture because uh, language is what registers the culture. And interestingly, uh, you know, the gurus have offered us a very rich culture through uh, Gurmukhi in Guru Granth Sahib. Uh, and when you look at this culture which the gurus are offering, there is a sense of history, there is a sense of society, there is a sense of uh, belonging to where you belong to in the sense of land, nature, space, also time, you know, and also across genres. So, uh, you know, there's a text which is offering you uh, multiple aspects of it. It's written in poetry. It can be sung, you know, it can be interpreted and, and it's rich, it's opulent in that sense. So uh, there's a connect, uh, you know, which uh, translation makes possible. So what actually translation does it, it enables two different languages of different cultures to interact with each other and to know about each other. And, and I think that is why, uh, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people are wary of translation, but translation in itself is a very beautiful process. Uh, it's both beautiful, it's both painful, you know, it's beautiful and painful both. It's beautiful because when you're able to translate your own unique nuances into uh, the targeted language, you know, you're able to communicate and you're able to connect. It's painful when, you know, um, the phrases, the words, the sentences, the connections are missing and you have to address an audience perhaps who is not aware of your uh, own cultural nuances. But then there is also uh, joy in that pain because when you connect to people, you know, it becomes a very joyful uh, process. And uh, something very important, like, you know, a personal um, uh, influence of Gurbani on uh, all of us uh, is uh, what is exactly that Gurbani offers us? So uh, I like to give an example when I'm talking about this translation process and uh, how translation is interacting with uh, cultures and languages, you know. There's a concept of, and very much in Asa Kivar, uh, you know, the project which is complete, the Bani which has been completely translated, there is a concept of Pao, Vismad and Anand, you know. So Pao would literally mean fear or, you know, uh, something uh, which takes you towards something which is scary. But Pao in Asa Kivar is the perfect order, you know, under which uh, everything works. So under the command of Ikyongkar, everything works in that perfect order and that functioning in the perfect order is called Pao. So it is not that scare within me or it is not that fear within me that, you know, pushes me back. It's rather something that connects me and this feeling, you know, when the sun rises in its time and then, you know, when the tree, when the flowers bloom, when I look at this, there is a sense of sublime beauty. 
you know and that sublime beauty has been described as this math you know the sense of amazement the sense of wonder one is lost in it you know you look at a flower a white flower and then you have a feeling that oh that flower will never get dirty you know it's it's right there in a uh, on the uh, on the street which is highly polluted but then it shines you know how is that happening and and that kind of you know generates the sense of wonder in you and from this sense of wonder you know we enter into a state which is of eternal bliss the spiritual bliss the state of anand where everything is nothing but that eternal happiness which can never be robbed away from you so when you have this kind of a rich culture you know uh, and and when 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 we read gurbani uh, it comes to us the sense of place the sense of land the sense of seasons nature birds flora fauna everything you just you are associated to it and so it is offering a very very rich culture to the place you belong and for a global audience perhaps who has not seen this you know it is an exposure to that audience and it's only possible through translation and so what is translation actually offering is also enabling you to share that heritage which you have and you know have it as a combined uh, uh, you know kind of a sharing with the world around you and and it enables you to cross those dimensions of those barriers of time and the very reason that gurbani everything in gurbani is around such it is around truth so this idea of such you know enables you to cross these barriers of time cross the barriers of perhaps borders languages in itself perhaps also the genres you know and that is where it becomes a very beautiful uh, process thank you thank you i appreciated that answer so much i yeah I, that definitely makes the interactions between cultures and languages and history and our contemporary moments so much more accessible and i really appreciated that example um so in this um as this project throughout this project i saw the word transcreation being invoked um and that's not something i've engaged with before uh, i don't yeah i didn't know what a transcreation was before i uh explored the Guggenzad project so just think for um if you could yeah give us a little bit of insight on what transcreation is and how it differs from translation yeah great question so um translation is more about like finding words to replace the words from one language to another kind of mapping it out um whereas like transcreation is more about um trying to convey like this like we say often like the spirit of bani like the spirit of these lines um the wider sort of message and then where it's necessary offering some kind of contextualization so in the example that ishmeet gave from asakiwar like in the literal translation we use the word fear because that's the literal translation um but in the transcreation where we have the ability to sort of explain that by using different word choices so we had discussions about it and um we thought okay well reverence is a kind of sort of combination of like fear and like respect and love all kind of tied into one it's not about being scared of someone and so you know we are having these discussions about like what is the thing that is being conveyed or or 
from our best understanding, what is the message that we think is trying to be conveyed and like, how do we honor that message? Um, instead of just like trying to map things out from like the original into the Punjabi, into the English. And, you know, there are certain words that we've discussed that like in English maybe don't mean the same thing as they mean in Punjabi because words have layered meanings and, um, something like just one, th and I just spoke about, I think a couple of days ago was this idea of like pleasing. We're working on Badama and like this word pleasing comes so much. And there are certain moments where I think in English that becomes a more kind of, um, not like transactional, but it, I mean, this is kind of like a, <laughs> a casual way to say it, but I told him in the meeting, like, it makes me think of like a, a jester trying to like please a king. Um, and there's moments where where that like doesn't really make sense in the context of the Vani. And like um, there's a moment where it says like when the virtues of Prabhu are pleasing to the to the human bride, right? Then Prabhu becomes pleasing to the human bride. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. That makes it sound like we're like owed some kind of, I don't know, entertainment or something to make to make us like want to sing these virtues, right? And so another word that we had in the word definitions was endearing or dear. And so it's really like when those virtues mean something to the human bride, to the seeker, that's when like Prabhu becomes this like object of their affection, right? Prabhu becomes endearing. Ikonkar becomes endearing. So something I think with transcreation, we have the ability to like further explain those ideas without going way into commentary because we also are doing offering commentaries. But offering some more context into these terms, especially for, for I would, I was going to say diaspora six, but I think a lot of people are removed from what Ishmeet was saying about like land and certain metaphors. And, um, and so we get to, we get to sort of trans create those emotions and trans create those, that the spirit of those lines in a way that isn't so strictly about mapping things out. Um, and one other thing I wanted to point out, and I don't, this isn't really about transcreation, but it's also about like the importance of footnotes. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so there's so many terms that like, maybe the Punjabi team has offered footnotes for on some level, but then in English, we need more contextualization because there's not as much sort of transfer of context knowledge, I guess, if I can say that. And so um, an example we had in Kuchaji was the like metaphor of the mango grove and the 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 like seeker says that she wants she like sees these sahagans these fortunate brides these connected seekers who are sitting in the shade of the mango tree and me reading that in my like context sitting in the suburbs of maryland <laughs> i'm like okay a mango tree has big leaves and it's you sit under it and it feels nice and it's hot outside so but but when we talked about it more, it's about this idea of like burning in longing, right? And the Kujaji is burning in longing. She's so vulnerable and she's so, um, she just wants to feel connected, but it's like burning up inside of her. And she's seeing those who have had that union, those who had that connection, and they're kind of able to exhale in the like coolness. Their burning has kind of been cooled down. They've been satiated. And I wouldn't have had that knowledge if it weren't for like a little footnote. And I know that like not everybody is <laughs> going to read these things and click on every footnote, but being able to contextualize and offer that to those who want to interact on that level um, or in that depth 
is a really important thing. And I think that both the transcreation and the footnotes offer that additional sort of like context and understanding that maybe doesn't always come from literally mapping the original Gurmukhi into the English. Um, yeah. Yeah, thank you. I think, yeah, just having the option to read the footnote for those who will engage, I think is great. Cause I think even as I'm going through text sometimes, for non-academic purposes, I maybe won't read the read the footnotes, but then when I have to, you know, put it into a space where it will be engaged with by other people, that footnote is always so helpful. Um, yeah, so I appreciate that example. So maybe uh, just one thing, narrowing into previous translations, um, I'd like to take a little bit of time to talk about different schools of thoughts, thought uh, in regards to translations. Um, what are those schools of thought? How does this translation engage with those schools of thought? Um, and when there's disagreement, um, particularly, how um, how is that reconciled or how is that dealt with? Um, so the first question you have asked is, you know, what what are the school of thoughts? You know, um, as I think Schmidt was saying. Um, and do we need a translation? I mean, some people think we don't need. So first school comes from the idea, or with the idea, that because Gurbani is a Turki Bani, is a revealed text, and maybe uh, none of us is able to translate it in the way it should be. So maybe we, we don't need to try that. We don't need to translate it. And, and so as also the quote goes, scripture translates scripture. So that was the idea. That is one of the schools, you know, that we just, it was of the opinion that if at all you need to understand a scripture or the Gurbani, you need to read it, you need to uh, uh, yourself, you know, reflect on it by reading it, and maybe from within the Gurbani, you need to find some examples of find some other shavas which help you to explain the Bani itself. So we saw, you know, in the Sikh Panth also for for years, for decades in the beginning, there was no such translation or there was no such need felt that there need to be a translation of Gurbani. And then uh, we see Pai Gurdas. Pai Gurdas, Wara are, like we say, loosely speaking, you know, they give a very beautiful explanation of some of the Shabds of Gurbani. So Dr. Tarun Singh, one of the scholars of Sikhi of Gurbani, who has worked on Guru Granth Sahib and, and, and the things that we are talking today, he has listed about seven schools of thoughts. So he he mentioned these two. First one he calls like, you know, is a Sahaj Pradali, where you, it, it's but natural that when you read Gurbani, you understand it. And if at all you need it, you know, look into this Shabbat, look at another Shabbat, you, maybe you are able to understand by so doing. And the second one he calls Pai Pranali, that's Pai Gurdas, which definitely, you know, helps you to understand some of the concepts of Gurbani, also some of the terms, some, some of the, some of the, you know, uh, Shabbats. Like, for example, we were, when we were working on Asakiva, so the first uh, word that we begin with, or the Guru Granth Sahib begins with, Ek Oankar. So we were looking into Oankar and we saw, you know, this word Oankar is explained by various scholars and people differently. And when we came across a, a beautiful talk, you know, there are many verses on Oankar. So Pai Gurdas has explained it so beautifully and so nicely. And who can be better than him 
who was himself a contemporary of the gurus and who had this opportunity of scribing the first a copy of Guru Granth Sahib we called Adi Granth in 1604, uh, sitting near the fifth Guru Sahib, you know, Guru Arjun Sahib. So he has explained this, uh, uh, the concept of Nirankar, Ekankar, and Olkar so nicely that like, you know, that there is, we all know Ekankar or we all know the divine is formless. So he says, of course, that's the first size, formless, Nirankar. And then when Nirankar, uh, you know, wills to expand into the creation. So he takes a form that he calls Ekankar. So from Nirankar, he takes a form called Ekankar. And from Ekankar, he manifests into this creation, which is called Ohankar. So looking at, you know, so like, I mean, like this, Pai Gurdas, some of the Shabbas help us to understand Guru Granth Sahib Gurbani, which Dr. Tarnasin called, Dr. called as, you know, Pai Pranali. So uh, 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 with the help of the secondary sources like Pai Gurdas, you can understand Gurbani. Then from there on, we see, you know, and there are multiple translations, multiple efforts made to translate Guru Granth Sahib. And all those efforts, all the, those schools of thoughts, we can categorize them into, or we can club them into two, though he has mentioned them differently, but uh, for uh, our purposes today and for understanding them in a brief, we can, I can at least you know, club them into two. So the first one we can we can club or we can we can name is like traditional school of thought, which Dr. Taran Singh has said about the Paramarth Pranali, Udasi Pranali, Nirvana Pranali, and ending up with uh, uh, this called Gyani Pranali or the Sampradaya Pranali. So they all come up under one category called tr traditional Pranali, which means that they are more inclined towards the tradition, what the tradition is saying, or what is being received from their predecessors, from their ancestors, because in those times there were no such privileges that they you have to uh, note down everything into the notebooks, the copies, it was just heard and remembered by heart and passed on to the next generation. So they're more inclined to what they heard from their, their ancestors, from the people that they uh, took uh, learning of uh, Guru Granth Sahib, or they learned uh, how to read Guru Granth Sahib. And we can call, you know, uh, of this school of thought, the major work that has been produced and was published, you know, about, uh, we can say more than a hundred years before. And we can call it the first Tika, a complete Tika, the first complete translation of Guru Granth Sahib in Punjabi called Free Code Tika, where, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, scholars got together and they, you know, with a lot of effort, with a lot of diligence, you know, came up with first such uh, endeavor where they, they translated the entire Guru Granth Sahib in Punjab. Later on, you know, after this, we, the next, we have so many other scholars coming up with their own translations in Punjabi, in English, and in both the Punjabi and English together, like Manmohan Singh. So we can uh, club all these uh, the scholars, all these translations into the second category that we can call non-traditional or modern in approach. Because most of them are coming from the some education systems, some scholarly backgrounds. And, and, and this was a traditional period, you know, from tradition to modernization. The, the India and like other countries, other uh, 
countries of the world is being used by the British and so on. There is education, their school system, their university systems. And we can see that beginning from uh, Pai Veer Singh and then uh, Principal Teja Singh, his great work called Shabdars, and then later on, uh, Professor Sahib Singh, Sri Guru Granth Sahib Darpan, and in English, if we have to speak, we can call, you know, the first tika has been done by Dr. Gopal Singh. So all these are a bit, we can say, non-traditional in, in approach, or rather you can say they are also keeping tradition in consideration, but they are also looking at the other elements like linguistics, like Professor Sahib Singh is more oriented towards the grammatical construction of, of, of the text. So these are the different schools of thought, you know, that we have seen, which Dr. Taran Singh has listed, uh, numbered them into seven. The eighth one he called, you know, are uh, the miscellaneous work which has been done and which are being done, but which are not, which cannot be called like complete translations. Okay, your second question, you know, you said, how do we uh, engage with uh, uh, different schools of thought? This is a, really a very good question. So I think, you know, uh, um, it's a little easy for us to engage with these different schools for two reasons. Number one, our team comprises of diverse people as there are diverse, diverse uh, fields that we are looking into, diverse dimensions. So we have people from different, uh, in a way, different systems coming up from, you know, like, you know, not just from different states, not, not just from uh, different parts of the world, rather the people, those who are coming from, like those who have also had some knowledge of the tradition, uh, along with having a university education, university degree, and so on. Number one. Number two is that um, not just a team, and I am, I am, you know, glad to say this and share this with you. The our entire team, each member of our team, has a very unbiased approach towards all these schools of thoughts. And I would also like to assert, and this is another beautiful uh, a thing that I, I realize that not just a team which is working on the Guru Granth Sahib project, rather the Sikh Research Institute also has such an unbiased approach. It, we consider that all these efforts, all these sources, all these translations, whether they are coming from a tradition or non-traditional group or school of thought, for us, they together collectively, they are source of apanth. And, and looking at them together, you know, without any bias, you know, that we, we don't want to consider this, or we don't want to consider that. We look into all these sources because we know all of them have great potentials, but they also have limitations. So once you appreciate both and then you are aware of where the limitations are and where their potentials are. So this, I think, helps us to engage with these different schools uh, in a better way. And this also help us to uh, incorporate those understandings, those uh, the, the potentials that they have into our own project. The third question that you ask, you know, when there are different uh, uh, opinions, definitely, I mean, when you're working on such a big project and when there are so many people working in a team, and when you are referring to so many different schools of thoughts, so uh, you are bound to have different opinions, you know, when looking at different shovels or maybe a particular word or a phrase or kind of thing. Number one, I would like to say that we have 
not many difference opinion. The reason being because we are looking at very comprehensively all the required tools which you need to uh, understand the text, the original text, and also you know to the to the language that you you need to translate it. Because we have a multi-dimensional. Uh, multi having people you know multi expertise in a team so there are lesser and we because we are also looking at each and every part of it we are not just looking at the linguistics or the grammar or the poetry we are looking all those parts which are required we are referring to consulting all those tools so this minimize a, a difference of opinion but still there are different opinions so what do we do is you know same we reconsider our views we reflect on the, on them again we discuss among the, our team and we try to build the consensus where it is not possible we are very you know of the opinion and that's what we do and that's what is a part of the process that we will include both of those different views of the opinions into into the into whether it is translation or a, in, in, in the form of a footnote so we do refer to that on this, we have a different opinion. We have a different view. Even sometimes we agree to a particular view. Still, we find this another view given by maybe Professor Sahib Singh, Pai Veer Singh, or even by the Tita Freerkot. To us, it looks like, hey, that's great. That's really something, something uh, a very different approach to this same idea or the same translation. So we do endorse and we do include that uh, as additional information for the reader in a footnote. This is how you know it makes uh, for us easy to engage with these schools and also to overcome uh, where do we have uh, different opinions. Hi, I wanted to take a quick little break to let you know about a few things. You can look at upcoming webinars on our website at sickre.org. And while you're there, please consider becoming a donor. It's with the help from our audiences that the team at Sikri is able to continue exploring sick knowledge and illuminating the voices in the community. Or consider becoming a supporter of the SickCast by clicking on support on our anchor.fm page. However, this podcast is free to all. So if you do like the show, tell some of your friends and family about us. With that out of the way, let's get back to the show. Yeah, so now that we've um, understood how the team potentially uh, interacts with uh, discrepancies from external uh, translations or other translations that have been done, um, Aharinder Singh, I'm going to pose this question to you. Thank you for your patience. Um, this, is a quite a, this is quite a large team um, that's working on this project. Um, previous translations, from my understanding, um, haven't engaged with such large teams. Um, and therefore, because of how many people are working on this project, there are bound to be differences or disagreements um, that arise. I know um, it is an internal process. So if you're comfortable sharing um, and to the rest of the panelists, I'm happy to let you engage as well. But her other thing, um, yeah, we'd love to get a little glimpse into the internal working. So when there's a discrepancy or disagreement internally, how is that um, engaged with? Sure. Uh, we are actually quite uh, open about our process uh, in the website, which we, we there's a there's an area called project. 
And if you look under the approach and process, it answers the kind of considerations we work on weekly basis. And they're quite detailed for those who want to know, but let me put, put it in perspective. What does this really mean? So the work which goes into the research allows for what Dr. Kaur and Jocelyn Kaur were talking about to be able to go to the level of translations and transcreations and interpretations. And that research part, sometimes we can't find the etymology of a word because people just assume certain things. Sometimes it takes two hours to do one word or sometimes it takes more than a week to do one word. And I want to dwell on it, that our job is to really present the data. And then the, if that is comprehensively done, then we are presenting one literal interpretation, one transcreation and one commentary with the hope that many others will create their own translations, their own commentaries, but they are based on something. You know, this is what the epistemology is like. People ask, how do you know what you know? So we want people to form opinions on based, but based on some research. And this is where work goes. Just to put in perspective, as of last week, you know, this team has grown from uh, one person team to now there are 20 people working just on the content. And as of last week, uh, we are spending on one Shabad, whatever Shabad means to you right now of Guru Granth Sahib, 384 hours. Just think about that for a second. Almost 400 hours are being spent in being as thorough and meticulous. Because look, Guru Granth Sahib itself, yes, it is Guru, yes, it's perfection, but think it's a documentation. And Gurus have created this tradition of documenting their experience and wisdom, which we can learn from and the world can benefit from. What we need, what we are trying to do is can we document as much as possible the collective knowledges? and add to it where we can provide a better context. So that's our work. I hope you can see the, 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 the responsibility of this, doing this with integrity while having our own sort of disagreements. To, to, so in this context, 20 people trying to collaborate and curate uh, throughout the globe, Punjabis and non-Punjabis, where some have Punjabi as their first language and some don't, and various schools of interpretations are being considered. I'll give you one example. Within Asakivar, within a very early stage, after we even developed the process, this is why it's evolving. And we are open to this evolution and more criticisms and more adding to this. Very quick, uh, soon we face the word taram. So taram, you look up in dictionaries and all of your uh, viewers probably also can relate to it. Is it religion? Is it righteousness? Is it duty? And all these things are invoked all the time. Then when we bring into the context of Guru Granth Sahib, is it just referring to whatever taram is, those words, or is also referring to uh, an individual in Indology or in, in, in mythology called Taramraj? So this is where the work comes in. This is why we need the data. What are all the possible meanings of this? Then providing the context to it. And even after all that, is this really the word which we end up saying at the time is, this is really about the principle or is it really about the individual who is considered the deliverer of justice? So if we had a disagreement on it, we kept talking about it because there are assumptions, you know, based on the knowledges of individual. And then we are saying, well, okay, this is your assumption. But if somebody is reading this, sitting in Alaska and they don't have this knowledge, how can we make sense for them? 
or somebody who is even born as a second generation or even first generation in Punjab who has no knowledge of this and is not aware of Indian thoughts, how do we make sense for them even in Punjabi? So we, we work on those elements. This is why, and, and we agree to disagree, but that has happened very rarely so far. Our first work is to develop the consensus. And then if it's not possible, which has happened in few instances, we write the complete details as they were being talked about. And then, you know, I'll just add one couple more things. Like you heard from Dr. Kaur earlier, the word paw, you know, which in that body becomes past. So there are variations of the word as well. So we are also presenting those variations. So the project word where we started this conversation is about different audience needs different things. Can we create a comprehensive documentation at minimum and add to it so those who are looking for particular dimensions, particular elements, particular learnings, particular ways to interpret it for themselves, eventually this is about making the experience richer, making the experience open, transparent, and that's what we are about. So I do have a follow-up question that came to me as you were speaking, and I was relating it to my own experience, which I'm not saying is the same at all in the process of the Guru Granth Sai project, but because there is so much to consider and there are so many people on the team and you are trying to get the complete details and you are including all of the footnotes, all of the context, is there a, not, yeah, maybe boundary isn't the correct word, but is there like a stopping point where you're like, I have read too much, I can't read everything. So I need to, I need to, I need to put a stop somewhere. Is there a point where you, is there, is, is that point ever reached? Um, and how is that kind of dealt with? So, uh, thanks for asking that. We reached that point and then we pushed it further. Then we go to the next version. This is where we are currently. We said, here is our version one release scope. This is where I'm going to bring in, you know, how you release versions of like on your mm -hmm. iPhones, on your Android phones or whatever else you use. So we are saying this is our version one scope. Yes, it is still not fully satisfactory, we have not covered everything. So we have now defined scopes at each level and we are sticking to completing them to that level. That's the minimum we are doing right now, which essentially means we are giving those three elements in research. We are giving two meanings, which means translation and transcreation in English. We are also providing commentary and we are also giving minimum three dimensions. We would like to do more. Our hope is if we can figure out how to do this, as I'm saying, it's taking almost 400 hours to do one shabad. And if I create the equivalency of that, that's almost 10 full-time people because not all 20 people in content are full-time right now because of the resources and other issues. The, the way it's being managed is, let's say we are able to do this in 20 years. And I don't know, I cannot project right now. We have great advisors on this project who are telling us how to deal with the complexities of this and different schools of thoughts and the new schools of thoughts which are emerging as well, because we are interacting in 2020 now, given all these traditional sources, as well as academic sources, as well as what I would say, not just traditional or non-traditional sources, there are more resources we have discovered even when the traditionalists didn't have, because they didn't have access to certain dictionaries or other understandings of the periods of the time from other languages as well. So we are actually integrating all those and we have agreed to do version controls. And let's say if we finish uh, this in 20 years, as we grow and scale this, then we will restart. This is the idea. The data part should be completed, the research, 
and translations and transcreations and commentary, they should be done every few years because the language is changing, the culture is changing, the idiom is changing, and they have to be done and read. And this is what Professor Puran Singh says. This is what Gurbani itself says. Even today, you know, when I read the Hukum from Darwar Sahib, it's so clear. If you don't explain ki amyo, what is Amyo, what is Amrit, what is the pool of Amrit, if you don't explain what is the lotus feet, and this is why this work is needed. It has to be redone every few years. It needs to be a continuous process, but at least let's create a data behind it so it can be facilitated at a better rate, a faster rate, so more people can do it. Thank you. I think I think the the ongoing um, aspect was very helpful for me because otherwise it just it felt very overwhelming. But I think yeah, the being kind to yourself and continuously engaging with it, I think is helpful in my understanding. So before we move into um, questions from the audience, I would encourage everyone um, who is tuning in right now to send their questions in. Um, I'll throw my last question to Dr. Shmeet Gore. Um, so an element we haven't really touched on is the tonality, um, the non-cognitive elements of the of this translation, this transcreation. Um, so yeah, I'd love it. It, I'd love it if you could share a little bit on the tonality and capturing these non-cognitive elements. So by that I mean the beauty, the music, the poetics, and the aesthetics in this translation and transcreation. Thank you, um, Linder. Um, I'll actually pick up from where um, just Vanji and Harinder uh, Singh have just left. Um, in fact, I would like to add one thing saying that, you know, we look at it as a translation of this century, you know, because there have been other translations, we know about them, and uh, those translations have come up, uh, maybe some by individuals, some by teams. And over uh, years, you know, um, we've seen a lot of change uh, happening in time. And last two um, uh, centuries, you know, there has been a massive change in, um, you know, almost everything, so many social movements, you know involvement of people on the ground and how does this translation actually become relevant to them so so i look at it as a translation of this century and maybe creating a database for many new translations to come over many many hundreds of years you know and uh, maybe people will come to us and look at uh, you know what we have created and then of course critique it and uh, you know uh, be positive about it or be negative about it and in this entire process something which is extremely important and now i'm coming to your question is you know involving the reader in what uh, we are doing and and this reader response is uh, something uh, which is extremely important so so when i look at you know gurbani uh, gurbani is much much ahead of time you know and when i say this i say it particularly keeping in mind the caste question. You know, when today uh, there's a huge Dalit movement, you know, uh, gurus have already, uh, you know, started uh, in a way a revolution. You know, so so the inclusion of the Bhagats and their voices in itself, you know, uh, are equally relevant even today. And a lot of people go back to uh, Guru Granth Sahib to read those voices and bring them in the contemporary forums today. Uh, similarly, so the question of the woman is uh, very important and, and how is, uh, you know, the woman depicted in Gurbani? Are we as, you know, uh, readers, you know, 
and I'm not talking of myself as a person, uh, you know, in the team, but I'm, I am now locating myself outside this team and I'm saying, as a reader, can I, uh, you know, associate to that essence of Gurbani? As a woman, when I read Gurbani, uh, does it really, really become uh, meaningful for me? And the translation which is offered to me where I'm trying to understand, you know, Gurmukhi and Gurbani, is that offering me what the gurus actually said, you know? So, so that's a very important question which we all need to ask ourselves. And, and the moment, like Jasleen said, you know, as a child, she looked at it and she thought it was not for her, you know? So, so where, do you, where do you, as a reader, you know, put yourself in this engagement with Gurbani. So uh, when we look at, uh, you know, uh, and now I come back as a team member and, and you know, when the uh, when towards the end, the final draft comes. So, so we do a quick run looking at, uh, actually not a quick run, a detailed run looking at, you know, uh, the Shabad and trying to look at the, the beauty of the Shabad in terms of orality, in terms of the connect with the sound that every bird is being offered, you know, in Gurbani, in Gurmukhi, and uh, uh, also in terms of uh, certain figures of speeches, in terms of rhyme, rhythm, you know, these kinds of dimensions which of poetry often has. And we try to look at it and then we try to see that, you know, are we being able to retain uh, even some aspects of it? Uh, you know, uh, within our final, uh, you know, English uh, final still in the making, it's not never final, but, you know, in whatever we are offering as version one, are we being able to retain some aspects of it? And that is where the, the you know, uh, this, this uh, translation also becomes very unique. Because uh, if, if we are not able to retain the sound or if we are not able to retain alliteration or figures of speech, one thing which we definitely try to engage with is the mood or the fervor of the poem, the fervor of the verse, the fervor of the Shabbat, you know, that is where we try. So, so if it's written in this mood of love, you know, when the reader reads it, even in the targeted language, the reader should be able to engage, you know, with that intensity of love. So if there's a pain of separation, the reader should be able to feel that pain of separation. You know, so if there is this joy of union, you know, finally, when you meet a Kyungkar and there is joy, joy of union, the, the reader should be able to get that, you know, mood of that joy. And in this entire thing, one learning which came to me personally was, you know, the way uh, the woman-man question had been dealt with in all, you know, the earlier, uh, in, in major earlier, uh, not just translations, but commentaries and, uh, you know, other uh, literatures available uh, was that you know the man often was dominating to the woman the patriarchal masculinity was always prevalent but, but when we come to Gurbani and when we read it today you know in this and keeping this woman question in mind um, there's something else that happens it gives it offers you a space to merge you know with uh, you know the divine husband and if it's the power equation you know this merging will not be possible so so this liberation is what you know we seek to make available in this i hope we are successful it's it's a very difficult task which we have taken on ourselves but this beauty because the whole 
culture is of grahastha ashram you know of family of life of living together you know and and where do you place this beautiful relationship you know of uh, man and woman and it do, it does not just come in the material sense of husband and wife but it comes in the sense of the soul bride and uh, you know the divine husband and um, so uh, summing up with you know precisely your question is uh, the mood that we try to offer you know addresses the beauty of the verse um, but many a times we are also able to retain certain uh, poetic nuances uh, uh, so there is of course like i said earlier there is loss in translation so there is pain in translation you know and and of course there is also gain in translation gain is very less you know pain is much more thank you thank you so building on that um the aspect of gender that you brought up um a question that i think just lee touched on a little bit at the beginning was the usage of the god the lord the he um so just lean i will um give this question to you and I invite the other panelists to hop in as well. Um, what has this been replaced with um, and why has it been replaced? Yeah, so what has it been replaced with? Why and how was this decision made? Actually, um, I think we need to go back to right to the beginning of uh, the Guru Granth Sahib itself because it begins with Ikyunkar. And the definition of Ikyunkar has been uh, you know, provided in uh, the Mool Mantra. You know, so um, I'm not going to say all aspects of it, but one thing which we do derive from it is that if we need to, right in the beginning, we need to understand that Ikyokar is without gender. Gender, they rahit, you know, gender rahit. There is no gender. Ikyokar is formless and therefore there is no gender. So uh, whenever there are references to, uh, you know, certain shabads where it has been said there is one man, you know, it's not actually that man. It, it's metaphorically uh, being used there. And so the moment we say that, you know, Ikyunkar is he, uh, it's a totally, totally wrong assumption which we are working on, right? So, uh, so we need to understand, you know, uh, that Ikyunkar is without genders and therefore the team decided to retain Ikyunkar as Ikyunkar itself and not to use any pronoun when we are referring to Ikyunkar. And perhaps, uh, you know, some other equivalent in other languages were also not sufficient to, uh, you know, replace the term, the word ikyunkar itself, because it's it's a whole concept. It's not a simple word. So it was not possible to retain, uh, you know, uh, or replace or have an equivalent from a different language for ikyunkar. And with this, it was also, you know, thought, uh, um, I mean, one of the ideas which came forward was that let the world know the vocabulary which is being offered by uh, Gurbani itself. Let the uh, uh, readers, you know, who are engaging with Gurbani be familiar with, uh, you know, the nuances of Gurbani by retaining not just one word, but many words, you know, which are particular to the context. So, so this was, you know, a larger thing. And then care has been taken also in, uh, we all have referred to Kuchaji. Uh, Jasleen has talked about Kuchaji. Jaswanji has talked about Kuchaji. So words like Kuchaji, you know, which are which are milder 
in Punjabi language, the moment they are translated into English, they become harsh or they become sometimes derogatory. So Kuchaji is not unskilled. It's just somebody who does not know the way of doing a particular thing. But the moment we replace it with unskilled, you know, it becomes a bit harsh. So, so our challenge has been how do we neutralize, how do we minimize, you know, uh, these kind of, uh, 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 you know, difficulties that uh, we engage with. And, and that is where the footnotes come in. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe sometimes uh, the comparative words, Kuchachi, Suchachi, Gunwanti, they tend to explore and engage with each other and then explain the right meaning with it. So there are many challenges, and uh, but uh, I hope we are able to retain this, you know, um, woman sentiment, you know, the feminine sentiment to call it, you know, as we uh, go ahead working with, because um, personally, I have not come across any of the works which has addressed, you know, uh, the uh, understanding of Guru Granth Sahib uh, by engaging with the woman perspective. Yeah, so just looking to see some of the questions that are coming in um, from the audience. I will, um, just to be mindful of time, um, I'll throw the first one to just one thing. Um, this is, I think, a little bit more of a brief uh, answer, but the languages within the Guru Granth Sahib requires experts in, the, in those languages. Do we have the expertise within those languages? Which I yes, think we touched good. on a little bit. Yeah, that's a very good question. Yeah, and I mean, as we have already spoken, that um, first thing that uh, is required for uh, for a good translation is that you need to, or the translator needs to, fully able to understand and appreciate and comprehend the language of the text, the Bani of the Shabbat, that he's going to translate into another language. And we all know the language of Guru Granth Sahib, the treasury of various languages and dialects spoken uh, during the period of the gurus and before them, which includes uh, the words from Sanskrit, Persian, um, Pali, Prakrit, Apabhransh, and coming towards the Braj, Avadhi, and Puratan Punjabi, and so on. So that's a very good question. And, and definitely within our team, um, some of the members, they do have the understanding of Sanskrit, of Hindi, of Urdu, of Persian, and also some of the, uh, you know, the languages that I've just mentioned too. Plus, because um, we refer to and we are in, uh, in engagement with the, all the sources, new and the old, which are available on these, these uh, different languages, on various dialects. So we do refer to those and we look into and we have within our team the ability or the expertise in the people, those who can make sense of those languages and the, the words. So I think uh, that really helps to, to look at that linguistic part of the Guru Granth Sahib. And we were from the very beginning very convinced and very aware that this is the one of the first and one of the primary tools that we need to develop and that we need to look into and we need to take into consideration. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes. Um, and the sorry, another question that we have, um, I will give this one to Harinder Singh, and everyone else, please feel free to chime in. Um, but it, they ask, some of the previous transcreations were done by Brahm Gyanis. 
um, who had reached a certain relationship with the guru? Do we have access to these Brahmanis to check in with? Well, I'll answer that with the spirit because uh, I don't think we have a thermometer to measure who's a Brahmagyani. I'm just being completely honest. In the spirit of what is being said is people who lived a great sick life. So yes, we in fact spent, especially Jaswantvir here, going to what I call non-academic centers of where those individuals who have great experiences of Sikhi and see what is available from those deras or those uh, systems or pranaliya. Uh, unfortunately, because a lot of it is not a written experience, but we do have fortunately, we weren't able to get, uh, get individuals to work on it. But the fortunate part is that within the team, we have people who have learned from those systems as well. So we do incorporate those from that angle. Uh, we, don't, we don't get into the litmus test of uh, whose experience is more supreme. We do know that there are individuals in Sikh tradition who are revered and they, we revere them as well for what they have shared with us. And we, uh, if we have a written form of that or a lower form of that, which we can refer to, even if it's written by someone else, we absolutely cite it and study it and incorporate it uh, in the work we are doing. I, I, I want to connect one more thing. If you're interested in how we are doing all that, we are very open with that process again and invite all of you to look at the project portion on our website. It shows our approach. It shows the team members who's doing which element and why they're doing that element because of their training. It also shows what bibliography we are using and the sources which connect uh, the schools of thoughts we have been talking about plus much more. And the dictionaries which otherwise haven't been consulted if they're referring to a particular language because we are also showing in the research portion how the word is traveling in different languages as well. We don't get into which language came first, which is very political issue for Indology included, but we definitely are looking at how the word is uh, 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 traveling historically uh, in different languages, including the modern language. So to, yeah, kind of um, put some of the questions um, that the audience is asking into um, more of one concise question, um, there is, yeah, there's some wonderment, wondering um, about what we hope that, or what the team hopes this project will accomplish. There's also a question along the lines of, will Guru Granth Sahib project be available in an audiobook form or a video series so that it can be um, accessible to the youth and non-six. Um, so, uh, Jocelyn Gore, I will throw this one to you. Um, not, you, yeah, maybe you particularly, but um, yeah, what is the like long-term goals um, or the hopes of this project? Yeah, great question. Um, I don't know about the audiobook question. Maybe Harinder Singer just one thing can answer that one. But um, you know, the large. I mean. I, the larger goal that we have is to make Bani accessible globally, um, the message of Bani accessible. Um, I think from a personal angle, you know, I've I've sort of shared a little bit about how this pro just working on this project has made that space that I felt was between me and Bani much smaller. <laughs> um, and I think that 
there's a lot of people who feel that way. They're not just my age and they're not just living in the diaspora. And so um, having that accessibility, having the spirit of, of Bonnie accessible to people who are sick and non-sick, people who are just starting their journeys um, and who are curious to be able to like go onto the website and engage with Bonnie at whatever level they feel like engaging with it on at that, you know, at that point in time. Um, I think having that tool uh, will change a lot of people's relationship, not just with their sicky journeys, but also with just like the world around them, processing their experiences as humans. Um, I think, you know, like we have these commentaries that relate to like global perspectives. We try to explain things. Um, and the hope is, and I know Ishmeet touched on this as well, like the hope is that given the sort of large database of like word etymologies that are also available on that, on the, within the project on the website, um, given all of those tools, our hope is that like the next project won't have to do all that stuff from scratch, right? Like people can look at, we've had discussions about what is Sahaj? What does that mean? Um, and for people who are maybe a hundred years from now, hopefully it's sooner than that, but, but who are like trying to look at all the various translations and see how people have dealt with this word, hopefully we, we become a reference point as well. Um, so it's not just about like, the hope is that people read the commentaries and read the translations and engage personally. It's also that in the more kind of nerdy technical side of things that when the next project comes along, they have, yet another resource to look at where they don't have to, you know, start, start all over on, on certain elements. Um, yeah. If anyone wants to add to that or answer the audiobook question. <laughs> well, I, I can add a couple of things to it and I think it'll be great if everyone else wants to chime in. So let me actually present another outcome, which is possible out of all this. You know, one of the outcome possible is perhaps we can go back to becoming the sixth of the guru rather than our own denominations and schools of thought. And I am hoping for that outcome is possible because what we're trying to do is bring in those elements, bring in the disruptions which Guru Nanak and the guru period brought in in terms of how one connects with the Kohankar, regardless of their backgrounds. So in the last hundred or so years and especially in last 20, 30 years, we have become, even within the community, that this is, I'm only from a textile school or I'm only from the missionary school. Perhaps they need to look at each other's views a little bit more carefully and look at it more not as a bias or a disagreement, rather than this was the experience of the time based on their knowledges and based on their personal experiences. So we are not comparing and contrasting here, just to put in perspective. There are other websites who are doing this, other projects, which is great resource as well. We are trying to create a resource where we're trying to add to the knowledge transfer, add to the knowledges as well, with the hope that this will inspire people to really have their own personal journey uh, and become a little bit more accepting as we used to be towards other six and other non-six as well. So that's one of the outcomes I'm hoping for. In terms of what can we add to this project, look, we have a long list people are already telling us, and we keep saying that we are a research development project. We are not going to develop the best looking website, and we are not gonna add audio file to everything because other websites have done good jobs of those. We are not trying to replicate things. We are not trying to 
you know, do uh, additive work at a small things. We have taken on something which after visiting various scholars, including the SGPCs of the world, including the six studies departments of the world, including the scholars, regardless of their schools of thoughts, and asking them to get involved. And we look for more people to get involved, but our purpose really is to come up with in the best of our intentions. You know, I have a friend, let me actually use thing, and a colleague who says, my information is mile wide, but inch deep. Our hope is that we can also provide a mile deep information. That's what we are really after. And what you do with that information is between you and the, your guru or you and whatever a cone card means to you. We will be adding slowly to what we release in each versions, but primary work we have is a research work and based on that research, providing one explanation which speaks to the audience, uh, Punjabi audience, as well as one explanation which speaks to current English audience. Yeah, I would invite Shmeet Kaur, Jasant Singh, um, if you would like to add anything, just to be mindful of time. We have about five minutes left. So if there was yeah, any closing statements or thoughts that you'd like to add, I welcome those. Um, maybe we'll start with um, Jasant Singh. I think it's all good and uh, I would like to request the readership and the audience, those who are hearing this webinar and those who are aware of the Sikhri's uh, project that they should and they must go to the site, have a look, explore. I'm very hopeful and sure that you will have uh, multiple things to, to look into and that you will be interested and you will be motivated to and you will be, uh, you know, uh, look like, you know, that they are very uh, useful for you. Also, you know, look on these things and provide us your feedback. You know, maybe it's a critique that you can do, but it has to be, I mean, it should be constructive. And looking at those feedback, those suggestions, they will help us as a team to look into the things that we are doing more deeply, more comprehensively, and definitely that will uh, help us to, to make the project and make, make the content more, more powerful and more, more useful for the readers. Thank you. Yeah, um, it's, 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 this has been a beautiful process. I know that we are not perfectionists, but there's a lot of scope of improvement, like just Wendy said, that we need to have a feedback and a good feedback. Uh, as a feminist, if I may call myself so, I would say that... Um, you know, I invite women to look at uh, what we are doing. And maybe, uh, you know, we will be able to make sense of a lot of metaphors which are being made, uh, which are being used by gurus. And I do see a question which talks about, you know, uh, how the concept of humankind as a soul bride is also propagating the concept of male hierarchy. I think our challenge as, uh, you know, trans creators and translators here is that how do we represent in this in the right intent? Uh, and how do we answer this in context? So in context of Guru Nanak Sahib particularly, who uses, you know, this particularly in Barama, uh, you know, Guru Nanak Sahib himself is a male and he is acquiring the attributes of a female. Uh, 
so is he if he is inquired and is acquiring these attributes of the female and then talking about this pain of separation you know with the divine husband you know this metaphor is very much offered within gurbani but has it been done in the sense of you know patriarchy as we look at with the feminine lens today i hope you know our translations will be able to neutralize uh, you know this kind of a perspective which we have created and i can only ask for blessings from everybody to you know uh, so that we are able to uh, uh, you know finally uh, come up to that i think that's what i would like to say thank you yes um yeah so just to round this conversation up i think prender singh sorry do you have something that you'd like to add yes i i would basically say to the readers and, and the discussions you're seeing and the healthy tensions which we are confronting and trying to address um uh, we 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 would like the users to especially on this idea of traditional explanations only to not mansplain <laughs> uh, these things yeah and i know we have the tendency within the team as well as outside and i'm acknowledging that we need to understand what perspectives are being offered we also need to understand that how do you make things complex free while addressing um uh you know addressing those issues which are not being addressed especially in six circles who are engaging with the shabal to create a world view which is based on a kohankar so those are some of the outcomes we are working towards but those are the outcomes which will be developed as people uh, engage with guru granth sahib itself and the hope is whether it's the dalit issues women issues political issues corruption of the religious right issues that all of those can be addressed and tackled when we are equipped with this complex free strength we get from gurbani and the experience of the gurus the contributors of the guru granth sahib so we invite you to come to that project send us feedback on it join the team i, I want to share a great news that you know i used to feel who's going to help us support this project where will we get the money where will we find the team members i can tell you in less than 2 years we are already at 20 people and now we are getting more people who want to be part of the project i can tell you we didn't even have 20000 dollars to start this with but now we have 10 people who are equivalent full time working on it and people are supporting us financially people are doing this because we have been very open in our process in our approach and where we are trying to go with this without any agendas it's a very open open project hence the word project again so i just want to share that with everyone that sometimes we are only shown the negative news and what's affecting us as community but there is a lot of positive news that the true legacy of the gurus we have is the shabad itself and how do we take care of that legacy how do we make this legacy relevant to not just 30 million six but also 7 billion people on this earth that's the agenda thank you thank you and i think this yes this conversation was very helpful in understanding the immense amount of work that is going on and like increasing that transparency that we've um been discussing and i think yeah the ongoing process um the conversations that are happening behind the scenes but also overtly can be accessed um i have also uh linked um the website the gurgrand side project website in the chat box so if you'd like to 
take a look, um, please do so. Just to uh, finish up and wrap up today's conversation, I'd like to thank all of our panelists today for joining us um, and yeah, giving us a little glimpse into, into the work that they have been doing. Thank you again to everyone for joining in. Today's webinar will be ending now. You are listening to Sick Cast by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path.